Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. This week I chat to Ricky Walden. He's won three ranking titles. He's been a very dedicated professional over the years. But in recent times, he's had his health problems. He's had a problem uh, with his back. And he talked about that, and he talked to me through his career. This is the Snooker Scene Podcast with Ricky Walden. Okay, so Ricky, how did you discover snooker? How did you start? Um, through my dad, to be honest. It was um, He used to get, get me into every sport. A bit of golf, mm-hmm. cricket, um, darts, and then it was snooker. So I was playing all at a young age. Mm. like Quite steady at all of them, really. But then... Uh, seem to excel and, and love, love snooker from the start already. Why do you think that was the one that sort of trumped all the others? I'm not sure. I think I think because I sort of maybe like anybody, if you if you've got if that's your strongest sport, then uh, I think you sort of play it more. So that was that was it for me really. I was I was playing quite a few balls, and my dad loved it as well. So it was something we were doing together, you know. So it's I suppose. Uh, I suppose from there really mm. I mean lots of people take up the game when they're young but most people don't get good did you sort of re- realise oh hang on I, I can actually make breaks I can play this game yeah I think I was good for like like an 8, 9 year old playing mm. on the tables you know but looking back I probably wasn't any better <laughs> than most people you know but from where I was from at the time there wasn't really many kids playing the game and obviously your parents always think that you're better than you are anyway yeah. so I got I got backed, back from my mum and dad and stuff and I went from there already, and then when I went into school and stuff, I was I started improving and onto the junior tour and stuff like that, and started improving quickly, really. Yeah, and this would have been, I guess, sort of early mid '90s, where there was a thriving junior scene in Britain, so you had a lot of tournaments to play, I and mean, that's the way to improve, isn't it, to play matches? Yeah, without a doubt. I don't, I don't think you could have improved without playing in them kind of events. You know, it's like um, Malcolm Thorne was responsible for mm. so much around that time. He was doing so much good for the game with the England internationals and having the mini one days and the junior events twice twice a weekend you know it was brilliant so I was just throwing myself into everything into the Northern Snooker Centre and every Saturday Sunday I'd be, be driving somewhere to play them mm. you know and just sort of toughens you up and you, and you start to see some results come through which is, which is also good as well and you'd be playing guys who you wouldn't know at the time obviously but then went on to themselves like yourself become a top player yeah obviously like the top guys 
like Selves and, and Murphy and Maguire, all these guys that have, that have sort of played Ryan, so many, you know, and it's, it's always it's always good to see that the guys who started it with Markham and, and playing in them kind of events and the home internationals have, have gone on. It's no coincidence, you know, that they've all gone on to do great things, so it's, I think it was a real good foundation to sort of learn the game, really. Mm. Did you think it could be a career at that point? You'd only be like, still a kid. I mean, did you think, actually, this is a profession, or was it just you were playing for fun? Yeah, it was quite weird, really. I, I always thought I was going to... It sounds strange, but I always thought I was going to be a professional right. snooker player. It was, it was strange for his school, you know. I, I remember getting kicked out of a lesson in school because they, everyone used to stand up and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to be a snooker player, and they, they sort of sent me in the corridor because right. they thought I was taking the mic, you know. So, yeah, it was always in my mind, and I, and mm. I left school early and stuff like that, and I've never done my exams. Mm. Um, I'm not sure whether you class it as luck or whether you just whether the positive thinking comes into that side mm. of things where you, you were always going to do that, you know. Mm. It seems quite high risk, but, but, yeah, that was always... There was nothing else I wanted to do apart from play snooker, really. So what was the transition from those junior amateur days to turning pro because the system has changed so much hasn't it over the years I think there was like a challenge tour back then that you're on yeah that's right I got on through challenge tour I think um, I was sort of late getting on really from my crop of players really um, Sean and, and Mark got on pretty pretty quick um, and I struggled to adapt really it took me a few years to come through the challenge tour but I eventually got on through that and then yeah that transition was difficult really because you were going from playing on different conditions that you were comfortable to that to playing on, on slick conditions mm. against much better players mm. and and then all of a sudden it was a shock to the system when you realised you were playing the older guys who were just mm. much better than you, you know, mm. and, and you couldn't really see it at the time mm. you thought you were better than you were mm. and then you'd play someone like Tony Jones and, and you'd just have you been nuts you couldn't mm. compete with him you know? so it was difficult it was, it was a difficult time really and I guess looking back there were some great players who never kicked on to become professionals friends of mine at the time you know like Craig Taylor and Luke Fisher who were just as good I think Sean and Mark and, and maybe myself and stuff and they never sort of made that transition for whatever reason you know it was difficult because financially you couldn't support yourself you had to put the hours in and, and it was just a difficult transition with for various reasons really I think it's a good point you make about the, the older players because obviously in the junior ranks you're playing people of your own age but yeah. suddenly you turn pro and there's people who've been there maybe 30 years and they know every aspect of the game match play stopping you getting in stopping you knocking in long balls and really yeah. tying you up and it's a bit of an apprenticeship I guess learning all that stuff yeah 100% you don't, you, there's no other way you can learn it just like the junior days there's no other way you can learn it unless mm. you throw yourself in and the problem with when you turn pro at that, at that stage and you're playing these guys you ain't really got too much of a chance unless you up your game quickly, you know, because they're tying you in knots. You're playing for financial pressure. You're trying to, you're trying to stay on the tour. And I actually fell off the tour my first year. I didn't win enough games, and, and they give me a concession on, you know. Luckily, luckily enough, um, and that gave me a second bite of the cherry. And I sort of, I sort of took that chance really. But yeah, the older guys just just so knowledgeable with the safety play and and even scoring really. You, you don't think they can score, but but at the time they were they were scoring way better than I was. And also, I think there's a natural sort of inclination for some of the young players who've had success as a junior you sort of think oh I'm better than all those you know because you're used to winning and you're used to you think I'm going to you know get the, these old guys I'm going to roll them over and it doesn't work like that does no it? not at all I think that's a good point it, it's um I was coming into the game expecting just to just to tear up the tour really in my own mind I'm not sure other people were thinking <laughs> that but I was definitely thinking that and it just didn't work that way you know I was just miles off the pace compared to the other guys and the reason they've been on the tour for so long is because they're great players there's no question so it's, 
yeah, it was tough, tough couple of years to, to sort of make that transition. Really. And so, when did you feel that it was starting to turn around? Did you just sort of suddenly start to get you know, results? Yeah, I think one of the earliest memories that I can remember, I played at a couple of venues, but then I played, I played Tony Drago in the British, I think, mm. and I sort of got beat in the game, but I. I enjoyed the match table for the first time really and I started to play well and I made a few breaks and I was unlucky not to not to go into a decider I think and then afterwards he just gave me some advice really he just said like listen don't I've read I read in that there was like an article or something saying like what are your ambitions and my ambition was to stay on the tour right. and he said listen you need to change that it's not about that he said you know, I think the way you've played there you're good enough to, to to move up through the game you know so when you hear things like that and I was practicing a lot with Rod Lawler, Ian McCulloch, yeah. Dave Harold, just brilliant, brilliant players who've just been around mm. for so long and, and played the game at such a great level. And just the advice from them, really, I, I just stayed grounded and listened to them guys. And I sort of felt like I was making progress, even though the rankings weren't quite saying that. Mm. I'm, uh, China Open 2005, you got to the quarterfinals. Um, that's the, everyone remembers that event because Dink won it and of course yeah. sparked the, the boom but it was a significant week for you I seem to remember you played was that the time you played Steve Davis and he had to pull out he banged his head on the door was no that, that was that was <laughs> oh I got that wrong I'm on the way there yeah it could have been that yeah, yeah it was that actually. he banged his head on the door it before the match got dizzy yeah it was that so that's, <laughs> that's the only way I was getting to the quarters wrong <laughs> well no it was just a strange thing to happen wasn't it but but I suppose you know quarter final that's, that is the next kind of you know you're trying to always improve like you've, you've reached one then that's significant yeah that was a big moment for me I remember playing Henry in that quarter finals mm. and I got absolutely <laughs> annihilated it was it was just another big lesson you know I remember mm. just looking at it and thinking this guy is just on another planet to me mm. and they're the kind of moments I think if you're humble enough and you're willing to work they're, they're big moments in your life you know when you can realise how far off the pace sure. you actually are and then go on and improve, you know. But I had some good wins that week as well. I think it, it was either it was either Matthew Stevens or Ken Doherty that I beat in that game. Mm. Maybe Maguire, you know. And they were big. They were big games for me at the time. You know, I remember thinking, give you a lot of confidence. Mm. But also, like it's in Beijing, so you're not just stuck in some qualifier. You're actually now part of tournaments because that's also the case. Like when you turn pro, there's a lot of qualifying to wait through. It's not like the system now where everyone comes in the first round. And you know, you might be on the tour, but to a lot of people, if you're not in a tournament on TV, you're not really a professional. Yeah, that's it. That's the way the game sort of um, is shown now. Really, it's sort of if you, there's a lot of great players you you don't see on the TV, you know, because the way the system is now. And yeah, that was a big time for me to sort of get get onto the main table and, and sort of experience that. And uh, yeah, the game's just as tough now. You know, it's, you've got you've got to scrap your way through, and you've got players who I'm the older guy now, sort of, yeah. and, and you've got young guys who probably think I'm no good, and they're trying to bully me. So it's. <laughs> It's a yeah, it's it's a big cycle and stuff, but it's mm. yeah, that was that was a good that was a good experience over in China to sort of toughen me up. I think. Mm. Okay, well, you, you, obviously your big breakthrough in terms of winning a tournament was 2008 Shanghai Masters. So I think it's worth sort of just recapping who you actually beat in that tournament. You beat Stephen Hendry, Neil Robertson, Steve Davis, Mark Selby, and Ronnie O'Sullivan, mm. and they're all like top ten of all time players, really. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you know you look at tournaments and the draw will open up. It didn't open up for you, did it? No, I also had. <laughs> I also played Anders Zang in a qualifier in that right. over there as a wild card, you know, and that was sort of. I remember going to that thinking it's a tough game. Yeah. Didn't know, didn't know Ander at the time. I won that match five 0 and just sort of got a bit of table time really. So then the Hendry game come along and I was, I was fancying getting the result to be honest, but it was obviously it was a tough game. Four three down, made a couple of breaks, and, and yeah, it just went from there really. The confidence sort of. I find like I just get surges of confidence sometimes in it, and it, it can really kick me through, you know. And 
them kind of games when you're coming from behind. I, I seem to remember just coming from be behind in pretty much every game in that. Was 2 down to Davis, 4-1 down to Selves, 4-1 down to Robertson. That was a monster game really because I was never in that. Um, and just got some momentum really. And, and, and yeah, I sort of, I'll be honest, from the semi-final, I, I didn't really speak to anyone apart from, from my dad at the time, but I fancy bringing that tournament from the semis, you know, and um, I'm sure no one else did because the prices were big on, on, the, on what it was, you know, I was a big rank outsider, but yeah, the big thing for me is settling into a tournament and I felt settled at that with the tables and, and comfortable with what I was doing. So, so yeah, it was, a good, it was a good break for a week for me, really. Mm. It's interesting, like, because you're playing Ronnie in the final now, that's obviously, he's been there and done everything already, you're a big underdog, but... It, I think it says a lot that you actually felt, no, I, I'm going to win this. You know, you didn't go into it like a rabbit in the headlights. Yeah, no, it didn't feel like an occasion to me, mm. really. It didn't. It felt like a good experience, but it, it wasn't one that I was going, I'm just going to enjoy it. You know, I, I hear a lot of people sort of say that. And it's, uh, it, it, that wasn't the way that it was for me, really. I, I went out there thinking thinking that I could be, be the champion of that tournament, so I was going to give them my best shot, and, and it, sort of went, it, it sort of went that way. And, and I think even the way that I won the tournament, you know, it's... Um, I got ahead of myself to, to win the match 10-7 I think I missed, I missed the most simple red you've ever seen um, and I was thinking about back home mum and dad and stuff and, and the pressure I, I did feel the pressure of that but then I know to send you in the next frame you know it, it was always for me it was always going to happen I know that's easy to say now yeah. because it was a, a long tournament and playing some great players but but yeah, it did feel like it was going to happen that week. And what did it feel like to, to win a tournament? Because you know, you already said you're the boy who got sent out of class, mm. standing in the corridor because you said you're going to be a snooker player. Now you've you've proven yourself. You won a tournament. What, 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 what were your thoughts immediately after that, or did it take a bit of time to maybe sink in? Yeah, more so for the family. Really, yeah. it was just more about like the sacrifices that my mum and dad made. It's just unbelievable. Like <coughs> like I'm sure all the guys have, have, have had that kind of stuff. You know, it's tough, but. But yeah, just I just couldn't stop thinking of my mum and dad back home and just how proud they would be of it, you know, and cause it, they probably want it more than me sometimes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it felt it felt normal. It didn't feel like a crazy thing. It. Uh, I just went out and had a few beers, enjoyed the night, and just sort of spoke to everyone back home. Really, it felt it felt pretty pretty normal, pretty right. Really. Mm. And then uh, things sort of picked up a pace for you. you played at the Crucible first time end of that season what was that? that's like a rite of passage isn't it for a player to get there you must have been relieved to yeah, finally play there I've had a strange career with that yeah. side of things to be honest because I was I always seem to run into some tough games in that last qualifying you know, I played yeah. Selbs there I played Mark Allen there um, I remember playing Ander Zang and he just played yeah. crazy stuff he played brilliant you know. And I remember the last two friends I think he made two centuries yeah, he, did, he, played, yeah. he played good don't get me wrong I wasn't at my best but yeah. he, he did play some good stuff yeah. you know, so for um yeah, when I was going out for a few beers for that, for, for around that time with my pals, they, they were calling me the best player never to play the Crucible. So it was, it was painful, you yeah. know. It was, um, it was it was a painful time because I wanted to get there and I beat Anthony Hamilton ten five to get through to the first the first time played selves there. Mm. And yeah, it was a good experience, you know. I'm glad I was really glad to get that out of the way because mm. it, it was starting to stress me out a little. Mm. Okay, and then we fast forward a little bit to you then won the next ranking title, Bushy Classic. 2012. I suppose you've won your first, and there's an expectation, maybe from yourself as much as anyone else. Well, we've got to, you know, he's won one, he's beat Ronnie in the final, he's going to be a regular winner. But it's not that easy at all, is it? You know, these are tough events to win. No, it's a little bit the same as when, like what you said about the junior level, when you come through and you expect, you sort of do expect to feel something that's just going to make you invincible. But it, maybe it happens to other guys, but it didn't happen <laughs> to me. It just made me, I felt under more pressure of anything. So mm. it took me a while and stuff and regrouped and just and, and tried again. Um, 
I'd actually made a technical change at the back end of the Worlds um, the season before and I played Jamie Jones in qualifying and I was all over the place. I lost 10 to him and I was just I was so embarrassed the way I played. But I'd been working on something and it was in the match it didn't work out for me, you know, the, what, what was going on. So then I had the summer off, come back, didn't practice too much before that Wushi, which is not like me, I'm normally bang on the table. And yeah, again, it just sort of, I didn't play great that week, to be honest. I was just scrapping and digging things out. Um, and then eventually I, found, I ended up in the final and then played uh, and just sort of scrapped it out in the final, really. So it was, it was pleasing to win the event a different way. Mm, OK. At the end of that season, um, you find yourself in the world semi-finals, so you put something on the one-table uh, set-up, played... Um, Barry Hawkins um, and you were in front weren't you but but the thing is it's such a long match like being in front maybe is not that, not that significant because you've got like another two sessions to come yeah it's a strange thing obviously Any, anybody will tell you who's played in that one table setup over that kind of distance it's really strange mm. to blame you know it's, it's one of the it's one of the most enjoyable snooker moments I've had really being in that yeah. environment playing some good stuff at times you know but yeah I felt that week I felt I felt like I could have won it that week. It really did feel good to me, you know. I felt like I was going to go and win it, and uh, I just had a bad session at the end, and I just sort of unravelled a little bit, you know, which which can happen. I sort of missed a few balls and stressing me out, and I kept missing a few more balls, you know, and I just sort of lost momentum. Barry started to hit the ball a little bit better, and yeah, I lost control, and it was yeah, it was devastating. It was a real tough one to lose, you know. I sort of I think about that all the time that game, and you wish you could have just maybe. Just, just got a grip of it a little bit more, you know. But it's, uh, it's, it's tough to win them tournaments, you know. Mm. The endurance level you need to sort of be, be tuned in and mm. concentrated and mm. technically right for that kind of distance is uh, hats off to any of the guys who, who've, who've took that tournament down, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's so mentally demanding, and not only when you're in the arena, but there's also, it's how, I suppose, it's how you spend your time between the sessions as well, because you've got to sort of stay relaxed, I suppose, but also. Focused on what you're doing and try maybe trying to dwell too much on a, a frame that you've lost, and it's, yeah. it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's really tough. And that, that final session, because I threw away the lead, really the way I, the way I missed the balls. I'm not sure what what the score was, but it was something like 12 all or 14 all that, that final session. And I threw three, I'd, I'd thrown three frames away. And I remember I was sat with uh, sat with my wife, and just I just couldn't speak. You know, I felt like I'd lost it already. And if I could change one thing going back, you know, I just scrap that I'd be better at that now you know I'd be having, having a year's experience I'd be I'd be going in there all guns blazing but I went out that last session tired a little bit shot through a little bit angry and it felt like it felt like the damage was done and I, I hated that feeling mm. okay well a happier feeling came following you of course international championship um, I guess that's your biggest win so far certainly in terms of the first prize um, talk us to that one because that has sort of become a really big event hasn't it that, that, a new relative yeah. new event but a big event yeah it's it's a monster event really mm. it's a uh, like you said there it was, it's the biggest one of my career so far and uh, it, it was great to win it was it, it was a strange <coughs> tournament again for me really because I was out in Hong Kong playing in a small event first mm. and I was struggling my game was all over the place I was changing my tips didn't know what was going on changed my tips a few times and I went there with a, with a new tip then not with much confidence under my belt not playing great and then scrapped out a win against David Morris in the first round and then just sort of got momentum really I, I, I sort of wrestled a bit of momentum and then by the back end of that week then I was playing probably as good as I've ever played really you know not probably at my best but as good as I played mm. consistently from, from the quarterfinals onwards mm. so yeah it was, uh, it was a good week and I was pleased sort of 
to come through the way I did really mm. yeah and I think it's worth saying I mean obviously people listening to this are snooker fans so they know this but these are big tournaments I've heard people say about you you know he's won three ranking events in China yeah. as if somehow that's not quite the same as winning one in Britain these yeah. are massive tournaments I think uh, from my own like my mum and dad always mm. pick up on that kind of stuff you know they're, they're always <laughs> screaming at the TV yeah. and stuff and uh, yeah it's tough you can't choose where you're going to win the event you know I've, I've been in the semi-finals of two UK's been in a final in India been in a final in England been in another final in China you know it's it's tough the, the standards that high you can't choose where you're going to play you know and if, if Ronnie was to win a tournament in China nothing gets mentioned you know yeah. Ronnie wins it because he's the best around yeah. and if John Higgins wins a tournament in China well it's John Higgins you know so but if I win one it seems to be like well yeah you can't win in the UK so it's it's difficult. it's difficult. But what, what, what sort of almost on your behalf annoys me is you hear people say he's won them in China. Okay, well, let's hear what they are. They've, they've got names, these tournaments. Yeah, you know? exactly. And like I've already said, that first one, you beat like five Hall of Famers yeah, to win it. You exactly, know? you know. And, and I, I, the thing that I'm proud of is if I look back and let's just take the finals anyway. Now I played O'Sullivan in the final. I played Mark Allen in the final. And Stuart Bingham, you know. They're not, like the tough, tough games, you know, to play in finals. And they're as good as there is around, you know. Mm. So. So yeah, I've got no problem with that. I'm comfortable with what I've done mm. so far. Obviously, you'd like more. You'd like to be more consistent and all that kind of stuff. But but yeah, big events. And if I, if I, all I ever do is win in China and win more mm. events, I'd be I'd be more than happy with that. You know, it's a big part of our game now. Absolutely. Well, some somewhere amongst all this, you found time to run the New York Marathon. Which I mean, what was all that about? That was kind of out of left field a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just uh, <laughs> my friend sort of. Uh, my friend's a bit nuts, and he was he just said, oh I might, I might go and do the marathon. Mm. And I said, oh, what are you doing that for? He said, I don't know, just to, just to freshen up, stay off the drink for a little while and we'll see how we go. So I said, well, you can have a drink after it. And he said, yeah, probably, <laughs> we'll go for a few beers. So I said, right, I'll do it if we can go Vegas afterwards. So, right. um, yeah. so yeah, it was just something I wanted to challenge with, really. I wanted to, to drop a few pounds and I was always running anyway, 5Ks and stuff. And I just thought, you know what, it might be a nice distraction, it's a healthy distraction to sort of run and run alongside with my snooker and stuff. And what was the actual experience of doing it like? I mean, did you get sort of a few miles in and think, what am I doing? Yeah, it was good. I, I trained properly, to be yeah. honest, even though I wasn't physically, like, super sharp. I trained I trained properly, so I'd done a few 20-mile runs beforehand. And in my mind, my goal was just to run it, no stopping, you know, as long as I don't walk it, then, then, then I'm fine. So, yeah, I just signed myself up, and then I hit the wall at about 17 mile and just thought... I felt like crying it was, it was pain you know it was tough but um, but yeah I come through it and uh, it was just to test myself mentally really it's probably I'd have to say it's the hardest thing I've ever done even because yeah. the snooker is what you always do this, you can win a tournament because yeah. you've, that's what you've always done but yeah running that was the hardest thing I've ever done I'm, I'm hoping because you also got married in New York I'm hoping that was a, a more pleasurable experience <laughs> it was okay <laughs> yeah, it was okay yeah we just had a nice ceremony yeah. just at the city hall just a little mm just a little in and out job really and a few beers and a nice steak really it was just quite casual mm. what we wanted we didn't really want a big fuss yeah. and stuff and so yeah New York's important to us you know we always go out there when we can and yeah. we enjoy being out there the hustle and bustle and it's uh, yeah it's nice both both two different experiences yeah uh, another person probably my wife has been important to you of course is Lee Lee Gorton who is your manager and, and that's sort of also someone who you can talk to during tournaments and I guess sort of almost sort of keep you sane a little bit yeah without doubt we've been friends a long time now and he's, he's helped my career no end he's, he's helped me win all them events mm. um, he knows the game as well like he knows more about the game now than he ever did because he's because of the time he spent with us you know we talk about a lot of stuff and good guy good to good to help me out with my game and good to go for a beer with when when, when the time's right as well you know and we sort of uh, 
been inseparable onwards already for all this time, and it's it's uh, it's good along that it continue. Because the thing is, you know, it, it's striking the balance, isn't it? It's quite a lonely sport; it's an individual sport, but you don't want a massive entourage with you because then you've got to think about what they're doing, and maybe they'll try and drag you out for drinks or whatever. It's good to have someone in your corner, though. Yeah, without a doubt, you you just need to be sticking to sort of a basic plan, really. You know, and that's what we sort of do. We sort of like we'll, we'll come to a tournament and give it everything that we can, and then. If, if you're out of the tournaments, you're not flying for a couple of days, then we'll go and have a blast, you know. And so it's good. It's uh, it's important for people to have that around them on the tour. I think, like you say, because it can be pretty boring. The long flights, hotel rooms are boring, you know, and you can get sucked into the wrong things as well. Going out for a beer too much before games and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it's important to have somebody who you trust around you. I think. You've never been involved in controversy. That's not your thing. But there was one world championship where you played Rory McLeod, and it was a very kind of drawn out match. And you famously said. It was uh, it was like a visit to the dentist, um, yeah. and that obviously was the world championship that kind of got picked up a bit. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that now? It's quite a while ago. Yeah, it's sort of. Um, I didn't mean at the time. I was frustrated, and I was embarrassed of my own performance really more than anything. Um, I still stand by what I say, as in it was tough. To, it was tough to be involved in, you know. And I think the straw that broke the camel's back was I think Rory was close to winning, and I, and I looked up, and there was three three old women about four rows up and they were all asleep and I thought you know what I'm a part of this I'm a part of this game and I was trying to I was almost trying to play two games that day and um, I felt like I was trying to entertain and win a snooker match at Sheffield with a lot of pressure and it was just going horribly wrong for me you know and I don't really listen I said what I said at the time because it felt it felt like that's what it was but uh, I've got no problem with Rory you know it was it was just a tough match to be in and I was frustrated with my own performance more than anything in recent times you've had your health problems um, just talk us through what exactly they've been and also sort of what, what, how it is now yeah just got a problem with the lower back really you've got like a disc, disc bulge and uh, it goes into a little bit of sciatica and stuff like that really so it's, it can be pretty painful um, I'm sort of managing it okay at the moment I've had a couple of injections in there steroid injections to numb the pain but it can flare up at any time you know if I'm not careful I've got to be careful with what I'm doing no more running no more lifting that kind of stuff and just trying to manage it best I can really it's been good the last few months picking up I've been putting more hours in on the table and I can feel my game slowly coming to somewhere near still miles off where I want to be but coming to somewhere near and yeah I've just got to stick with it really I'm just thankful that I can play again to be honest because it was feeling like I wasn't going to be playing snooker too much yeah. uh, so, so I've just got to manage it and not get frustrated and, and see where it goes mm. and do you think the, the problems you've had are actually related to playing snooker or the practice in it or that? Yeah, it's 100% snooker. You know, I speak to the specialists and they just say wear and tear of the body. Mm. Um, they were actually looking at scans of my back and where it's worn away and where I've got the, the bulge. They said, if you weren't sat in front of me now, you, you think you were a 50-year-old guy, you know, it's, it's took that much wear and tear. And they said, the way you're hinge lifting and, and down for a shot mm. is, is going to impact the body kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, I think that as well as running marathons when you're nowhere near fit enough to run a marathon <laughs> at 15 stone um, doesn't help but um, but listen I can't really change it now it's sort of it's been my life so mm. hopefully I can keep keep monitoring it and keep yeah. managing it really but it has affected your form hasn't it because you, you know you, you slipped out the top 16 it must be connected to the problems you've had yeah it's been difficult to be honest like I wasn't in great form before the injury like I'll, I'll be honest I wasn't playing some great stuff however I always felt like I could go on a run and do something where yeah. As soon as that injury hits, it's impossible for me to win it. Win frames at first, you know, I couldn't win a frame in qualifying because I couldn't get down on the shot properly. So 
yeah, it's a hundred percent related to to me dipping out of the sixteen and and not really getting any momentum from anywhere, you know. So the fact that I'm just pleased the way that I fought back to actually compete again, you know, that's how that's how bad it was. So I feel as though I can, even though I'm not playing at my best right now, I can I can sort of stick in games and, and, and play the decent frames. So mm. I'm just pleased to be. Back competing again. Mm. And how do you sort of see the future? I mean, you're still a, a young man, and, and players are winning. Seem to be winning tournaments older and older now. But um, you've had this health concern. So how do you sort of? What is your sort of immediate, I guess, ambition? Is it to, to rise back up the rankings, is it to win another tournament, or just keep playing? I think. Yeah, I think tournaments will. will all, I think there will always be an opportunity for me for me to win a tournament. It's whichever I take. You know, it's the kind of player that I am. As long as I'm putting the work in, I'm, I'm physically I'm okay. There'll always be a run in there for me. I just know there will be because that's the way my game is. Mm. I'd like to be more consistent. I'd like to be technically a little bit better, but that's not my game. You know, and I've beat everyone in the game, but I've also lost to everyone <laughs> in the game, and I sort of know that. And it's it's quite frustrating. But the positive side of that is there's no question that I can take a tournament down when I'm right, mm. and, and that's okay with me. I'm I'm okay with that. So mm. I suppose for me, it's just about getting myself in position for another big event, really. Mm. Whether that's in China or the world <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know, I do feel as though I do feel as though there's more in there. Mm. You seem to though, you seem to be someone who, who a bit like Sean Murphy or Mark Selby, you really like snooker. You're not sort of tortured by it. You speak, I speak to some players, and they're very much a love-hate relationship. Seems with you, it's much more love than hate. Yeah, I think when I was a little bit younger, I, I always used to say that I hated it, but it was just because I was young and I didn't mm. know what I was saying really, and I was just frustrated that I wasn't winning winning more. Yeah. But yeah, listen, the game's given me absolutely everything. All my life, it's been, it's been given to me through snooker, my wife, where I've been, the house that I live in, everything has come from the game, you know. And so yeah, I love it. It's, 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 I just I just want to keep playing as much as I can and hopefully it can give me some more. Okay, good to hear that, Ricky. Thanks a lot for your company. Good Thanks talking to you. Thank you very much, Dave. Cheers, thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.